It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Coming up later, today's Clark Rageous Moment is the latest developments involving Boeing that is a company with a rot to its core. And coming up yet later, we got the launch of Disney Plus happening tomorrow. I want to tell you about the opportunities for you to get a lot more video content and what's happening with prices. And I'm going to share that with you just later on. Clark.com is our main website. Clarkdeals.com is where you can go to save money each and every day. I want to talk about something right now near and dear to my heart. I come from an immigrant family, and all four of my grandparents were born overseas. And from when my family became American citizens, serving our country in the military just became part of our family culture. And it's been something through the generations that we have served. And so I've had the privilege to talk to three different Veterans Day celebrations over the last few days. And I am so grateful to the brave men and women who serve our nation or have served our nation. You think about, if you go back to Vietnam, if you only know Vietnam from history, I want to tell you that when our veterans returned from Vietnam, we treated them like dirt in this country. We collectively. It was a very unpopular war. And for some reason that translated into being horrifically awful to the men and women who served. You wouldn't see that today. And in fact, there's a lot of expressed appreciation thanking people for their service today. And I'm so glad to see that. But there's a problem with the way things are structured in our country today. And that is a very, very slender portion of the American people in an all-volunteer military serve. And so we have called on the same men and women to redeploy again and again and again and again. And we ask so much of a few to serve so many of us. I also feel that we're missing something that the overwhelming percent of people in Congress have never served and are clueless about what's actually involved in military service and doing the things to protect the safety and security and the freedom of our country. I also feel like we've lost an understanding of each other in the United States. It was one of the things that was a real benefit when so many people served in the military because you served with people from every walk of life, every income level, every education level, race, religion, ethnic group, whatever, all together for one common purpose and goal, and that was to protect and defend the United States of America. And so on this Veterans Day, I have an unusual belief 
and I've expressed it before on Veterans Day, but not in recent years, I think that there would be an enormous benefit to us as a country if we had two years of compulsory public service for people at age 18 or 20 or 22 or whatever it is that people could serve in the military or they can serve working for a charitable organization, a nonprofit, that we work for the common good of these great United States. And I think it's a shared purpose and a shared orientation we need to get back to. I think about some of the divisions in our political culture where people speak ill of people just because they're part of a different political party. What now is often referred to by political scientists as people have become tribal. And the United States of America, come on. Because the enemy is not among us. The enemy is out there that wishes to weaken us or do us harm. And so I think we need to get back to a core principle of what this nation's about. And that is this incredible republic that we have that people all over the world, you think about the, the fights we've had over immigration in the United States, we think of it just in the last 20 years, but if you know American history, this has ebbed and flowed over our history through the centuries about immigration. I mean, people from all over the world want to be here. Why did they want to be here? Because they want either economic opportunity or they want religious freedom or the democratic freedoms that exist here. We have a phenomenal country, and sometimes we forget that. So I hope this Veterans Day you'll take a moment not just to thank those who have served our great nation or serve it even now, but to think about what is this country really about? What is it that those brave men and women have been willing to fight and die for or suffer grievous wounds? It's so that you and I can have the freedoms that we enjoy in the United States. And we don't have to love people we disagree with but hating people we disagree with is absolutely unacceptable and reprehensible because it makes us weak, it makes us narrow-minded, and it harms that beacon of hope that we in the United States represent to the rest of the world. Aaron is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Aaron. Hey, Clark. Aaron, you're about to have a birthday that is somewhat emancipating today and somewhat a pain. Tell me about that. Yeah, so this, in February 2020, I turned 26. So that means I won't be able to use my parents' health insurance anymore. Um, however, right now I'm a graduate student uh, in a physician assistant program in which I'll graduate in May of 2020. Um, one of the problems with this graduation day is sometimes with being a PA, it takes a little bit to get licensed and credentialed so you can start working. So there might be a few months after graduation where I wouldn't have um, employer health insurance. 
So I'm trying to find the best way I can get health coverage in that gap period. And I've looked on the marketplace and it asked me to estimate what my income will be for the year of 2020. And that's a little bit hard for me to predict. And if you put in an estimated income of $0 for the next year, then it gives you a really high monthly premium. So, yeah. So if you have uh, a modest income on the exchange, you can qualify for a subsidized policy. But there is an alternative for you that I want to give you two, actually. The PA school you're attending, do they offer any student health plans that are usually uh, semester long or 90 days long or anything like that that you can buy? Usually those would not terminate on the day of your graduation. They terminate at the end of the period for which it's been sold. Okay, yeah, they do offer a student health plan. I've waived out of it so far because I have the private insurance plan through my parents. But, yeah, um, that is an option to purchase for a semester. And so that would be one possibility. The second is if your health is good. Is your health good or do you have any pre-existing conditions? No, I don't have any pre-existing conditions and I don't take any medication. So I wouldn't really need to see a a provider on a regular basis. So you have the option, well, it's because of the pre-existing, I was asking this, most important. You have the option of buying a temporary, what's known as non-compliant health plan that will not cover uh, anywhere near what's required for a real health insurance policy that's comprehensive but the premiums will be tiny in comparison. So you can buy a temporary policy for 90 days, and now under a new loophole people are exploiting, you can buy it for a year at a time for potentially up to three years. So it won't be full real health insurance, but the premiums will be very small. Okay, great. And then you can just buy those policies through private insurance companies? Exactly. You don't buy them on the exchange. Okay, great. And so that would be the easiest short-term answer. And, you know, they're designed for a gap like you have, that you're going to have a period of time that's likely relatively short from when you complete PA school till you are on a job that provides health benefits and then you just let that one go away and you have real health insurance moving forward. Okay, great. Yeah, because I didn't want to take the chance and not have health insurance because if something were to happen, then that could be really detrimental to my financial future. Right. So these plans are uh, okay, but if you had something really go wrong with you, they're not great. But they are, oh, okay. they're a good thing to tide you over and a much, much, much cheaper alternative to what you'd have with real insurance that you'd buy on the exchange. So this is semi-insurance at a very low cost, I guess is the best way to say it. Kevin is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Kevin. Hi, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Certainly, Kevin. You're trying to look out for your kids. What's the scoop? Well, first of all, let me say it not only is it an honor honor to talk to you, but it's also an honor to listen to you. And I certainly enjoy listening to your opinions, not just on money, but also our our country. And I certainly 100% agree with you. We could use more unity in this country. So thank you for all that. Absolutely. Thank you for mentioning it. 
All right. Thank you. Anyway, my children uh, are getting older, and as they are now two of them teenagers, I wanted to open an account where they could have some money to buy their own clothes rather than us just paying for them every month. And (laughs) not just clothes, but discretionary income, like entertainment, things like that. But rather than an allowance, an account that they could use and, you know, better budget money that way, too. So, so my, uh, do you happen to be a USAA insured? I am not, unfortunately. Right, that's the first thing I always mention, and what a perfect thing to mention on Veterans Day, USAA, for um, military personnel, their families, and the rest. Because USAA has a great thing called the youth spending account that is made to order for what you're talking about. But I have the next best that I know of for your teenagers. Okay. It's called the Bluebird account. I've heard of that. It's an American Express product that uh, they did originally in cooperation with Walmart, but now basically you don't see much about uh, Walmart when you look at the Bluebird website, bluebird.com. But it's an account that if you do it right, it's set up for families. One of the choices they have is family accounts. And you're able to avoid pretty much um, almost any fee you would normally have. There's no monthly fee. There's free deposit of money, free bill pay. Uh, It's a really, really simplified, easy way, particularly for a teenager, to have his or her first version of a quasi-bank account, if you will. All right. So you can even put money in it automatically where they came up with this idea because parents kept asking for it, where if there's an allowance kind of mode with teenagers, you can put the money in automatically. Excellent. That's exactly what I was hoping to do. And one other choice that you might look at is Capital One has designed a new account for kids, and it's fee-free And also, if you do savings as well as having a spending account, they pay a a minute amount of interest, 1%, but they pay interest on it as well. So I would look at the Capital One offer and look at the Bluebird offer and see which one seems best for your family situation. Excellent. Thank you very much. And you have a great day, and thanks again for your nice words. Today's Clark Rageous moment is like the umpteenth time that it's been about Boeing since the tragic crashes of the 737 Maxes that now are going to hit one year out of service, it seems, before any airline has one in the sky. And it's because of a cultural problem at Boeing that is just so disturbing, I can't stand it, and it's why it's again the subject of a Clark Rageous moment. It's a Clark Regis moment. So there's now information that's leaked out that Boeing is trying legal maneuvers to reduce their legal liability, their financial risk, to the grieving families of those who died in the Boeing crashes because of gross negligence at Boeing. And this is absolutely tragic as more and more information has come out that Boeing knew as early as 2015 that the safety design of the plane was, in fact, unsafe. 
did nothing about it, covered up that the defective devices, the MCAS, were even on the aircraft. And now Boeing is trying to shirk its liability to the families. On top of that, when the CEO of Boeing was asked if he knew that they were trying legal maneuvers to avoid significant liability for the loss of life, he said he didn't know, which others say that's not true. But the reality is if the CEO is that out of touch and didn't even know that the company was trying to shirk legal responsibility, the CEO needs to go. How are people ever going to feel in a company that seems to have no focus on safety, that is going to be safe to set foot on those planes again, this executive leadership team at Boeing needs to be given the heave-ho. I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website, clarkdeals.com, where you can go to see ways to save money day and night or night and day, whichever you prefer, throughout the entire Christmas shopping season. Plus, we have a daily deals newsletter available to you that hits you with all the wonderful deals. Speaking of wonderful deals, unprecedented in the history of video content. So we are right at 500 different what are called series now instead of shows because they're you see them so many different ways, being produced in the United States. So not that many years ago, I think in 2014 maybe, there were 80 series on TV and cable and streaming and all that, and now 500. There has never been any time in the history of video, again, I'm not using the word television, in the history of video, that there's been so much compelling content that it's impossible for you to see everything that is absolutely well-produced, compelling to watch. It is great. And what's going on is we've got a battle for market share that Pretty much every big player is in. Disney launches their streaming thing tomorrow. Apple has their uh, very early stages streaming thing going on. Of course, Netflix is the, is the behemoth of the industry. And you've got Comcast that's launching its own thing that I think the working name is Peacock and because you know, they own NBC. And, uh, I mean, AT&T, in spite of all their troubles, oh, they messed up. Anyway, AT&T has uh, the various HBO products they're launching and has their traditional streaming product they have. And it is getting really confusing for a consumer what you sign up for and what you don't spend money on. We have a guide we continually update on Clark.com to walk you through all the various streaming products and services that are available. But we are going to experience more change in how we access content and what content is available 
in the next two to three years than have existed since TV first became available uh, after the Korean War. I mean, there was a little bit of TV before that, but really after the Korean War in 1953, that's when we used to have uh, what they called snow pictures, where you'd use an antenna and you'd look at this little tiny black and white screen and you'd kind of make out what was on the TV. And then there were a grand total of, was it 16 different series? Something like that in the early stages of television. I mean, you think about 500 different ones, most of which you can watch on your schedule instead of being married to a program schedule that some network programmer comes up with. This is absolutely fantastic. And they're all subsidizing us because they're all losing zillions of dollars for various reasons, either trying to sell other services like Amazon, uh, losing so much money on Amazon Prime Instant Video because they're trying to get you to sign up for Amazon Prime, and then you've got Google losing money on YouTube TV, trying to become dominant in traditional programming kind of streaming, and Hulu doing their thing of the uh, the on-demand programming, and then live shows at 45 a month. I mean, there, there are so many good options that they do get confusing and they get overwhelming. The one thing I'll tell you, though, is with the weaknesses at AT&T financially, be very wary of signing up for program packages with AT&T because they have a tendency, once you've signed up, to continually raise prices on you without notice. AJ is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, how you doing? Hey, Clark. Good, how are you doing? Great, thank you. So uh, you have a situation you're dealing with that you want to see if I can be of some help with? Yep. So um, I actually haven't filed my taxes for the last five years, since 2014. And I would like to catch up on that um, and kind of be current and you know going forward also trying to stay current and i was wondering if there are any gotchas that i need to kind of be aware of or is there any kind of special procedure or process that i should go through to make sure that i it doesn't affect me in a negative way okay so uh first thing it's always better for you to find the irs than for them to find you so (laughs) know that it'll feel good as you work on this can I ask you over these five years, what kind of income did you kind of average over these years per year? Uh, say, well, combined or yes. just my, well, combined? Uh, I'd say maybe close to 130, 150. Okay. In your situation, you don't go to the IRS directly. Okay. Uh, you need to go hire what's known as a tax attorney. It's a lawyer that all he or she does uh, pretty much all day long, every day, is do tax work. Got it. And you want a tax attorney to be the one, uh, they, they know the system, they know how to handle this on your behalf, and they will be the ones, the tax attorney and the firm that that tax attorney works for will be the ones that will 
best be able to protect you coming forward? Okay. I mean, I'm not expecting to owe the government, most probably to the IRS. Most probably, I mean, I, I normally get a refund of $1,000 every single year when I was filing it. So my expectation is because I get a W-2 that my deductions are going through just fine and, and you know, the IRS has all my money that they would have needed and more. I still think I with, the, with the income level that you have, which is uh, significantly higher than normal family income, that right. it really is a good idea for you to spend some clock time with a tax attorney. And if a tax attorney says, you know, your situation is minor, you don't need my billable hours, the next step from that as an alternative is to hire someone known as an enrolled agent which is a term most people aren't familiar with. Is that a term familiar to you? Just today, yes. Actually, I was, I was asking one of my friends as to how he does his taxes, and he recommended a enrolled agent to me, and that's how I was like, you know. Yep, so about an hour ago is when I found out what an enrolled agent was. So just for people who are not aware of what you and I are talking about, these are people who are tax experts that are essentially listed with uh, approved by the IRS or listed with the IRS, enrolled with them. Trying to think of the right, uh, the right way to phrase that, and so they are experts at situations like yours. And so okay. you could consult if you're worried about the cost of seeing a tax attorney. You could consult with an enrolled agent, and they are really, really knowledgeable. And if they're like, hey. This is a little too hot for me to handle. You need to see a tax attorney. Then that would be another way to do it is to go see an enrolled agent first and then go to a tax attorney if, in fact, they say that's where you need to be. Okay. Because I did speak to my friend's uh, enrolled agent, and he, you know, he, he, it seemed like as if it was not a big deal for him. He said, yeah, no problems. I'm sending me the then paperwork go for and I'll, it. I'll take care of it. Go for it. Okay. And, yeah, and, and uh, there'll be some penalties for failure to file you will owe. Okay. But if your tax liability is relatively low as you guesstimate, then the penalties will not be enormous. So you can rest easy that it will be to your advantage to do just what you're doing now to come forward and get this stuff taken care of. Jim joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jim. Hi, Clark. Jim? I think I know, I think I know how you're going to respond to my question, but I, I want to give it to you anyways. I'm, my wife and I are both 53 right now, currently investing uh, 15% plus of our income. However, we're also committed to helping our children pay off their student loans, and, and their oldest is uh, in the midst of that right now. We're looking to retire within about five years. Um, just wondering... Uh, what your thoughts are, is there any po- other possible options? Should we just be putting more money to retirement, which I think you're going to say yes, or should we uh, help our kids with their loans right now? Or what, what are your thoughts? So let me ask you, what scholarships are offered in retirement? Yeah, <laughs> gotcha. So, None. So, you know, if you get into retirement and you're doing better than you expected and you can afford to take some of your income you have to spend in retirement and use it to help your kids with their student loans that would be the point at which to do it right 
But at 53, with a runway of maybe another 10 to 15 years that you're planning to work, is it somewhere in there? No, I'm looking at within five years, my wife might continue beyond that. Wow, good for you. You're going to be able to bag work at 58? Well, I'm not sure, Clark. Uh, That's kind of the hopes. Okay. Not, Not completely. I'd just like to shift into something different. All right. Do you have access to a pension? Yes. All right. And how much of your income will you replace with the pension? Do you have a sense? Is it half, two thirds, three quarters? I'm thinking roughly half. Okay. So yeah. So you'll need to pick something else up. So mm-hmm. if you if you five years from now in semi retirement feel like you're still doing fine, you're still accumulating money, your wife's still working, and you at that point want to help an adult child with student loans, that would be the appropriate time. Right. This is just the whole thought of paying off loans right now, and my children or me, you know, it's just never done that before, so that's right. hard. But, you know, if you were to uh, cut back on what you're saving for retirement and use that money for your kids' student loans, and then you get into retirement, you know, there's an old expression that one parent can take care of 10 children, but 10 children can't take care of one parent. And you could later in retirement, you know, not quite have enough money and your kids could say, gosh, mom and dad should have saved better while they were working. <laughs> they get no, amnesia. Cutting back on what we're putting towards retirement, just any additional that we have would be going to the student loans rather than to retirement. At this point. So what percent are each of you saving for retirement right now? Uh, as, a, as, a, as a couple, we're, we're 15 plus percent. 15% is great. Have you been a, a diligent saver through your working lifetime or is saving like 15 cents on the dollar a more recent thing? Uh, well, it's gone up over the years. It was, it was you know, 10, 10 to 15 mostly throughout the career. So you've got a pretty good nest egg plus that pension. I feel pretty good about it, yep. If you, if you really in your heart of hearts are not worried that you're going to be cash deprived in retirement, and you want to put some money towards your kids' loans, I'm not going to stand in the way of that. Right, right. Yeah, it's just, those are about 4 to 5%, and I just don't know if we're looking at a five-year time frame here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get that return on my investment, uh, you know. Well, investment. remember, you're not saving money for four or five years from now. You're saving money for 30 or 40 years from now. True. You because know, it's not the day you retire – it's through the years of retirement that that money's got to last. And right. even though you're, um, you know, you're working and you're physically vital and all that, you know, 30 years from now, you may not be so, and you got to make sure you have enough money for the rest of your life. Correct. So I'll leave it to you to make that call, but your first priority is to save for your own retirement. David is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, David. How you doing? Hi, Clark. Good day to you. Good day to you. So you have a, a question that is of high interest to me because I'm also somebody who travels too much. Yes, I'm aware of your background in the travel industry, and that's why I'm calling today. Well, how can I be of service to you? So, Clark, my wife and I travel extensively, both internationally and domestically here in the U.S. 
We are members of multiple loyalty programs with multiple airlines, and a lot of those airlines upload to larger, I guess you'd call them like an alliance system where multiple airlines all consolidate into one alliance. So yeah, we, there are three there are three observe, major there are three major alliances in the world. And so okay. if you fly multiple airlines, you probably are earning points that take you into all three alliances potentially. Yes, that is correct. I understand what you're saying. And what we've observed over the last probably 10 to 15 years of doing this level of travel is that the process of claiming tracking, requesting miles that have sometimes not been awarded, and then dealing with miles that expire, this this can almost be like a part-time job, just tracking miles. And it's not just for myself. My wife and I each have to have our own account. So each time we take a trip, I have to check, was I awarded my miles? Was my wife awarded her miles? It's a very cumbersome process. And I can't really remember too many times over the last 15 years that we have hit the jackpot and really been glad that we are pursuing all this loyalty membership activity. I don't think we've ever really gotten huge travel benefits out of it. So my question to you today is, is it worth it to be doing what I'm doing? Uh, Yes, if you automate a lot of it. Like there are apps that specifically help you get the most out of your points and walk you through it. It's almost like continual tutorials where you register each of the programs you're registered with with one of the apps or services. One that's very popular is Award Wallet. And there are a couple of apps available from the Points Guy, who is considered to be uh, a great authority and getting the most use out of every loyalty program, every hidden benefit of them, every bonus that might be available. And so these apps uh, tend to work on a freemium business model where there are basic versions available for free. Then there are premium versions you can pay for. And so look at Award Wallet, look at the points guy, see what uh, seems to really be of help to you to be able to maximize the value of what you're already earning so you can actually use them. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.